Support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in below-the-belt grooming that a man can get. Fellas, you need to tidy up down there, and this is the shit that's going to get it done for you, okay? <laughs> this is a nice-looking shaver, comes with a nice pouch, wireless charging. Handle your business so you can get down to business, okay? That's what oh, we're going to do. Yo, give them the code, Carmen. Let's go. <laughs> right now, all, all our listeners can get 20% off with our code back to square one. That's back to square one, SQ1, for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Let's roll the episode. All right. We're going to switch it up a little bit today. Um, welcome back to episode 10. <laughs> this is the first time you intro <laughs> already failed. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 10 of Back to Square One. We are your hosts, Carmen and Derek. What's up? What's up? And um, it feels ep- nice to be on this end. Doesn't it? I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I thought there's so much pressure. Okay, fine. Come up with a jingle then. <laughs> Come up with a jingle. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, Next stop, Back to Square One. <laughs> Um, in episode nine, um, Derek and I went into a little bit of, I mean, I always feel like we get lost in, in, in what we're in time travel. Yeah. In time. Yeah. Somehow we spent like a full hour and a bit talking about like our upbringings and, and our childhoods and you know, how we're, how we're different. But, um, I wanted to kind of continue on that. The path. The train. Yes. Yeah. The, and, um, because we are also very different in, um, in a sense where, you know, you and I chose completely different career paths, and, you know, um, so I, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. You know, we can talk about kind of the t- decisions we made to get us where we are today. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, you start off because my story's boring. I feel like yours is way more interesting than mine. Um, so you started off, uh, you you completed how many years at Waterloo? So even before then, what is really the core foundation of, of why I kind of decided to get into everything that I do? Yeah. I really remember this. So this was back in high school when I was making music. Oh yeah, recording rap. So this is how e- uh, Eden, sorry, how Derek and I met. Um, we talked about this in episode one, but I met Derek in his closet. Yeah. And at the time, Derek was like already this like music producer, like headphones in at his at his computer at his desktop, and like we're recording music in his closet, and um, he would rap, I would sing. Yeah, like, where did this even, like, how did it even start? So, you know, obviously, if you've been listening by now, by episode 10, you understand that I come from a very broken and, you know, bad childhood situation. Mm -hmm. And one of the things growing up that really molded me was hip-hop music, Mm. right? And in particular, the reason that it stood out to me was they would rap about how shitty they had it, mm. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I came from nothing, da, 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 but they would make it sound cool. 
And not only would they make it sound cool, it was almost the shittier you had it, the better the story. Yeah. So that taught me from an early age, like, oh, I can make something of this. Mm. I can use, right, this 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 burden, this this darkness. I can make it something. Right. So that always gave me the hope. Oh, you know, this is the this is the contrast, right? Like for instance, Eight Mile the movie featuring Eminem. That wouldn't have been an epic movie if he didn't start off in the trailer park. Yeah, yeah. Right? If he started off as just Eminem, it's just, oh, okay, you're rich and famous already. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So I remember very early, I was like, these people, their stories, their drive, the way they see the world, the way they see their situation is really empowering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So then at the time when, um, when I was making music in high school, what I used to do was print lyrics. Mm. like jay-z lyrics eminem lyrics nas lyrics and i would like study it i would like highlight it read it like a book write down certain words that i liked certain things so i had like literally like in my room would be like a full binder full full of lyrics and and all these things and every time we go on a car ride i'd have like a notebook with me and i just write like rhymes <laughs> you're like a young like yeah. rapper <laughs> i was like a young terrible asian m&m <laughs> yeah. yeah i literally would have notebooks in my drawer like five six of them full of just random writing stuff yeah you know and it was that's like how i really attribute uh this sense of not giving up that i have yeah, yeah, yeah. of not being afraid to fail of you know what? Let's just make the best of it. Let's yeah. make the best of it, right? Yeah. Because it's going to be a good movie. Yeah. Um, and I remember specifically when I was 16, I got a job at McDonald's. Yeah. Specifically, I didn't need the money. You know what I mean? Like, my mom gave me, like, enough allowance to, like, buy pizza. It's yeah, cool, yeah, whatever, yeah. Right? You lived at home. Yeah, like, I lived at yeah. home. Like, I don't have any expenses. Yeah. But I knew I specifically wanted to get a job at McDonald's to say that one day, yo, I started from McDonald's. <laughs> you know what i mean like i know it sounds so like yeah so like whatever but that has always been the driving factor Mm -hmm. um didn't you also work at a and w yeah and then i went to a and w (laughs) mcdonald's wasn't enough well (laughs) it's because i had uh albert actually used to work yeah yeah yeah, yeah. one of our friends albert yeah our friend albert worked at a and w and at a and I definitely felt like... Oh, he hooked you up. He hooked me up with the job. He's like, yo, don't slum it at McDonald's. No, like, he God. was like, it's so much more chill here. <laughs> the food is better. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember a big selling point <laughs> was... Uh, so at McDonald's, anything you wanted to alter, you needed the manager to type in their code. Yeah. Right? Every time you order something and you... Let's say they want to give a refund or or whatever, right? But at A&W, you had the power yourself. So I can give people discounts by pressing a button myself. Wow. And Albert told me that. He was like, yo, we have so much power <laughs> Because NW was like this like smaller franchise, less rules, yeah, no, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. so much more makeshift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm coming here. And then I'd be like, yo, I tell everybody, yo, come, I'm working the shift. Like, yo, discount code, discount code, you know what I mean? But yeah, that's always been, you know, a reason for just my whole ethos of life, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's 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 gonna make for a good story. Yeah. It's gonna make for a good something. It's you know, just 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 work with it. Mm-hmm. You know yeah and then i mean like so how like what happened to the music thing like why'd you decide to go to waterloo <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was wondering where i left off um i mean i'm sure like you at the time you just well because you knew you wanted to go to u of t for dentistry i knew i wanted to get into music but i didn't have 
anything to like go off of mm -hmm. right so like what am i gonna do just like bum around at home mm -hmm. you know and everyone's going to university my parents were, were pressuring me to go to university so i was like you know what i might as well just just go to university kill some time mm -hmm. make some friends mm -hmm. so that was my reason to going to waterloo and the only reason why i picked waterloo was a it was one of like the the good ones that i got into mm -hmm. um and B, like all my friends were going there. Yeah. So it was like a no brainer. Yeah. You know? It's going to be a good time kind of thing. Yeah, it's going to be a good yeah. time. Let's just kill some time and figure it out. See where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So Waterloo was kind of just more of a social learning experience versus like actual academic learning experience. It for was me. your first time moving out, right? At the time? First time living away from home. Yeah. Um, first time really like drinking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, What'd you study? Economics and legal studies. Oh, right. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah so different <laughs> yeah i know right yeah really dry but the courses that i really remembered and really liked about waterloo was psychology sociology mm, yeah understanding why people do the things they do mm -hmm, yeah. you know those very much spoke to me right um and then after waterloo as soon as i graduated i discovered metalworks mm -hmm. which was a music and audio engineering and production school in mississauga mm -hmm. um and I signed up there. Mm -hmm. And then six months into that program, I realized I just didn't have what it took. Mm -hmm. Right. You you have to be really proficient in music. So I wanted to be an audio engineer. If you're recording someone, you need to be able to tell, hey, you're off key. You're on key. Mm -hmm. The song is in this key. It right, was in right. this chord. Right. I don't, I don't have music theory background. Uh -huh. So I already knew like, okay, this is going to be like so uphill and impossible for me. Right. And were there no other streams that like no other programs? Cause I couldn't, I wasn't producing music per se. I wasn't uh. like making the beats myself. Oh. I was record. I wanted to be right. Cause there's someone that specializes in recording. Yeah. There's someone specializes in creating yeah. there's special, someone that specializes in like mixing it all together. Okay, yeah. Right. So that's what I kind of wanted to do. I wanted to record and mix. Okay. But even then I would just was new. I wasn't good at it. And I knew that too much was out of my hands. Okay. I needed to work with an incredible artist. Where am I going to find that? I yeah. needed to work with, you know, so many factors go into creating a hit song. Yeah. For instance, and then it just so happened at the time, um, me, Duncan and Reef, you know, friends of ours from Waterloo, we wanted to, we had the idea of making YouTube skits. Because mm -hmm. at the time, Wong Fu was popping up, yeah, yeah, Kev yeah. Jumba, yep. all these kind of guys, right? Yep. Niga Higa, yeah. yeah, right. And um, and I begged my parents, I'm like, please let me use your air miles to just get a DSLR. Yeah. You guys aren't using it anyways. Please, please, please. So I got a DSLR and then... I guess everyone was just too lazy to make videos because it was a lot of hard work. Yeah. And then I had the camera. Yeah. And the, I was just so lucky enough that the camera that that, that that version had, had like a tutorial mode. Okay. Usually cameras don't have this. Yeah. But it's it like would, the only model that does? Like an, yeah. It right. was like the camera I have now doesn't have a tutorial it mode. It basically like taught you how to shoot? Yeah. Uh -huh. If you change this... This is when you, you know, this will happen. Right. If you, if want, you want it, it more blurry, this is what you yeah. should do or whatever, right? Yeah. And okay. it was instantly like made it, okay, I can kind of understand what I'm doing. The rest I can YouTube and Google. Yeah. And then I got really into photography and then I just decided like, I'm going to be a photographer. <laughs> I know because... <laughs> because we knew each other at that time. Yeah, we knew each other. You definitely, 
show no signs of so show no signs of anything i was the photographer of the group um <laughs> I, like yeah carmen always is the one that brags about she was the one who brought the digital camera around during clubbing days and you guys used to make fun of me but yeah people make fun of me be like why do you bring your digital camera and then they'll be like can you take a picture of me and like what's funny now is carmen on, loves to tell the story i love to the tell way. the story because now on facebook we have like high quality clubbing <laughs> pictures four megapixel yeah like photo. <laughs> um but yeah like i this is just so crazy to me because i just remember you literally picked up a camera and like somehow was like yeah this is my like i'm a photographer now like so so what were some of the first um because you didn't start off shooting weddings no so i so for everyone listening right now i have a company called the mariner agency um we've been i've been shooting weddings for like eight nine years now yeah hundreds of weddings maybe three four five hundred weddings been all around the world yeah right seen so much felt so much learned so much yeah afforded me my way of life for all these years yeah um and what when i first started it was just like i'll shoot whatever because i was just interested yeah I went to your softball games. Yeah. I shot people's puppies. Yeah, you shot like um those uh, like t- eight like the Asian students councils. Yeah. Uh, the, like the talent show. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, anything and everything. I was like, yeah, I'm there. I, I just want to learn. I want to learn. I want to be in it. Right. And then I discovered. You were shooting at clubs too. I was shooting at. Oh man. Okay. Let me tell you my clubs. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a very introverted guy. Yeah. I would say. And also you hated clubbing at the time. So. I hated clubbing. <laughs> I was against it. Like, these people are just getting drunk and making themselves look stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hated going. Yeah. I, I hated going because I, w- cause I, come, I came from a, a religious background, right? I went to church since I was a kid. Yeah. And every time I would step in a club, I'd be like, this is a place of sin. Everyone's sinning. <laughs> you know? And then I would just be like, this is bad. This Disgusted. is wrong. God, it's looking down on us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got into club photography as one of the early things because I needed to make money. Mm-hmm. And it was the one of the easiest ways to make money, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't much. It was like 100 bucks a night. What? Really? Including editing pictures? Yeah, so I, I'd have to be there for like two, two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, I'd have to have my own gear. Yeah. Edit the photos. Photo, a photo editing might take like an hour, an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. So it's not too bad, but the only, the only thing is it's like once or twice a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's good, like side money. Yeah, and you just got to. I guess you got to go in for free. Yeah, you like go in party. for free. You get alcohol. You meet people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but I really, I knew specifically the same way I knew specifically that I wanted to work at McDonald's. Yeah. I knew specifically that it would push me to meet people, to talk to people, and get me out of my shell. Oh wow! So you this know? is like your way of like overcoming the introvert. Mm-hmm. Tidness of your like yeah <laughs> is that a word introvert introvertedness introvertedness yes, yes introvertedness <laughs> introvertedness <laughs> wow yeah, yeah so i knew specifically like hey let this me is, again this is gonna make for a good movie yeah this, this is, is gonna part of yeah the... this is all part of the Derek hughes story ladies yeah, and gentlemen yeah. you know wow. we're going back to square one on this wow um yeah so i did the whole photography thing yeah. and the reason why i got into weddings was because while i was trying to teach myself photography you know, in the early beginning days, you're just so lost. You don't have a direction. You don't have a style. You don't have taste. You're just kind of like looking at 
You're looking at what the world thinks is good photography and trying to mimic it. You don't have your own, yeah, your own style yet, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, so, and then it wasn't until I stumbled upon a group of uh, film, film-driven photographers from California, mm -hmm. from LA, mm -hmm. that were shooting weddings in this cool hipster style. You know, it. They were shooting on digital cameras, but they were editing it to look like film. Mm -hmm. This was the early days of Visco, mm -hmm. where it was really cool. Mm -hmm. You know, before everyone kind of like abused it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, I never thought you can make weddings cool. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm sure the photos that we saw growing up of Asian weddings were so oh tacky and cheesy. So They're holding each other so weird. It's so like... Posed. Like, yeah, posed and glowy. Like, what yeah. the fuck am I looking at? Yeah, yeah. You mm -hmm. know, like, this is love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then meanwhile, you have these, you know, cool hipster photographers in LA doing it like, wow, like, that's cool. Like, as a guy, I would, I would want a photo of you know, me and my boys like that, yeah, you know, yeah. me and my fiance like that. Yeah. So that really kind of just guided me. Yes. You know, so then that's how I said, you know what, I'm going to take this and be a wedding photographer and apply it into the scene of Toronto. And that's what's happened. Wow. So how many years have you been? Well, were you doing that? I started photography like around 2012. Okay. 2012, 2013, oh, right, wow. somewhere around there. So, like so it's nine, been like a decade. Yeah, nine, ten years. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. And then, honestly, you're, okay. And then, and then so many other things. I know, that. it's so many things, but it's amazing. Okay, continue. So, and then, weddings uh, always kind of been in like the, it's been going on for, for a decade, yeah, but obviously in this decade, like other things have been going on as well. Yeah, it's always been the backbone. Yeah. Um, because it's mostly a cash paying job, it's allowed me a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, and because it only takes, I'm only working like half the year because technically in Toronto. There's wedding season. Like yeah, there's wedding season when it's warm. Yeah. So it's kind of like around early May to late October mm -hmm. is kind of when 95% of people get married in Toronto. Yeah. Right, because it's other quieter times during winter. Yeah, no one's getting married like negative eighteen. Yeah, it's just cold outside. It's just not welcoming. Yeah. The photos don't look nice. No yeah, one's yeah. happy, right? Um, although you can make a winter wedding look really nice. Yeah. It just takes a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so there was just time on my hands. Yeah. And I was still very passionate about music. I ended up uh, managing a producer friend. Yep. Our producer friend Henderson. He goes by the theorist on YouTube because you guys should check him out. He does really amazing piano covers. Yes. Uh, that have gotten millions and millions of views. Yes, 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 yes. He does it like full time, right? Like that's full his time. Job. Yeah. Yep. Um, he's been shout out by like Billie Eilish, Jesse Ware. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was helping him on a uh, matter where someone from the Yeezy team reached out to him. Wow. And said, hey, Ye wants to talk to the theorist. Wow. Can we make this happen? Wow, that's crazy. I'm like, yeah, we can make that happen. So I don't know if Anderson's going to mind if I put this out there or not, but. Wait, uh, Reese, like, why are you part of this? Are you still managing him? No, or like no, helping him? Or Yeah, so me and Henderson have this kind of relationship where he knows I enjoy the stuff. I enjoy connecting the dots and meeting people and right. Even if I'm not in the music industry anymore. Yeah. 
he knows that and he also doesn't really like to deal with this stuff he's not like the best at uh negotiating or you know okay. figuring stuff out yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know and it, and it does look a lot more professional if you say oh it's talk to my manager true okay right? so just very maybe in the last two years i've only helped him like twice on okay. certain matters yeah, right yeah. But and you met Henderson, you met the theorist um, at Metalworks, right? I met him on the first day at Metalworks, yeah. Right, so it's all like, it's It all ties circle. together, everything ties together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, someone, Kanye wanted to reach out to him apparently for one of the covers he did. Wow. We passed along the phone number. Um, he hadn't, he hasn't called Henderson, but. That's you know, still crazy. Yeah, it's a crazy that. To be in his radar, yeah, right? Like, someone from his PR team said, oh yeah, Ye wants to talk to him. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay, fine. Um, so what year was this when you, uh, I guess, so you were managing Henderson or? I was managing Henderson. This was like 2013, 2014. Okay, so a year after you, st- one or two years after you started photography as well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So I was kind of like comfortable enough where like, uh, you know, you know, I could af- afford to do something else on the side and see where it goes. Yeah. And then that's when we discovered another artist um, that I managed and created the whole NST movement. Right. So NST wasn't originally the management company that i had named and i had formed and then kind of when we took on this artist that kind of became the moniker of the crew i went from nst management to just nst i see um and then we found a lot of success there yeah you know uh we got a platinum plaque in canada yeah wow you know we got to perform all over the world yeah um you know and it's just as someone who back in high school was writing raps in my notebook and dreaming of like i don't know if you've heard of these record labels like interscope no i mean i'm not very much like yeah well versed in that but but. like these these labels have like 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 def jam okay yeah i've heard of def jam and then when i was working with those artists and in the music scene i would go to these offices yeah i would see the logo it was just like so surreal like this is what i saw and dreamed of as a kid yeah. seeing the music videos right and now i'm in the lobby waiting for a meeting to take us with so-and-so yeah, yeah you know so it's very surreal and uh, also just to be able to see the behind the scenes of like a rising like a like an artist right yeah. like going from going from nothing you know to like making a, a, a you know a hit you know things mm-hmm. like that like all the hard work that's involved you must have learned a lot yeah like getting our song on the radio yeah. You know, meeting the radio programming director at a Tim Hortons. You know, that's how one we got one of the the early songs uh, from my artist on the on Flow ninety three five was, yo, I just emailed him and he said, oh, I like this. Let's meet up. Yeah. We, we met up at a Tim Hortons. Just me and the radio program director. Right. We chopped it up. He got good vibes and it's like, okay, yo, I believe in you guys. I support it. Let's let's make something happen. Right, right, right. You know, so there, along the way, there's every step of the way in my career in photography and music it's kind of like you just have to figure it out on your own mm-hmm. right there's no blueprint there's no manual mm-hmm. um but a large part of that as well as as you're figuring it on your own there are certain things you don't know mm-hmm. so as my artist was getting bigger and bigger i didn't know the i guess the skills to really manage a person in that sense mm-hmm. i knew what i needed to do as a business partner as a manager what my job was mm-hmm. but i couldn't really control that person when they were becoming like just a larger identity if that makes sense like when they're 
for instance, their ego was getting bigger when they, you know, when their behavior and attitudes started changing. Just the stuff that kind of comes with becoming famous at such a young yeah, age be, or yeah. having so much money all of a sudden. Or, exactly. You know. I wasn't, I wasn't versed in that. Yeah. And I. Because I guess as a manager, like you're not only dealing with like the business stuff, right? You're also managing like their personal stuff. Their personal or, lives. Yeah. Yeah. You know the the car rental, the car the car lease. Sorry, the car lease I was a part of the the actual lease of the, where they lived. Yeah, or like, hey, we're traveling next week. Like, is your passport yeah, updated? Like everything. those little things. Yeah, you're you're the the manager, the accountant, the friend, the the, the dad. Like, yeah, yeah, everything. And it's just like, how do you? What hat am I wearing right now? And that was really a confusing part, especially when the artist that you're working with isn't. I would say good at communication or really trying to work with you in that sense. I see. Okay. You know, so it's, you know, so it was a really, uh, it was a wonderful situation in terms of like all that we've accomplished and all that we learned, but it was a very disappointing situation and how it resulted and what it could have been. Right. You know, because it, we were really this, you know, NST was really this big movement in the city at the time where a lot of people were genuinely cheering for us mm -hmm. you know a lot of good people were supporting and going out of their way to like yeah whatever you guys need like we got you you need like something for your music video shoot you need a you need a venue space we'll give it to you for free you know you need this in your video we got you you know what i mean right so there was like so much love and uh camaraderie in the city and you know just kind of see how it dissolved from there because of partly a lack on on my end of the inability to really i don't want to use the word parent but like you know like to, to to wrangle someone in okay yeah right um you know so it's kind of like a shame but then from there you know uh, i've gone on to do many other things <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk about that. <laughs> Schedule 35, the host of uh, the sponsor of this podcast. But what I guess the large underlying theme of everything is just being unafraid to say, hey, I am this. I'm going to take it serious and I'm going to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. The same way with starting this podcast is, hey, we're just going to do this and we're going to see where it goes. Like You don't need to think about steps four five six so seriously all the time and i think perhaps you do that yeah right? i definitely do you yeah. like to think what's the end game here what but so many times in business you just don't know until you get started yeah but do you think of some that some people are just born to be you know some. entrepreneurs like they're just born to be their own bother they're born to be to think like you to, to make these risks because you almost need to have this like not personality type, but almost like be a risk taker, not be afraid to fail. Like those are like things that are so innately you, or do you think mm -hmm. like you, you had to like, no, I'm definitely not special in that regard. I forgot no? which book that I read it in. Mm -hmm. Um, but it talked about how a lot of like CEOs, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, a either come from a really broken family, mm -hmm. had a parent die early on in their lives mm -hmm. or, are just like these different individuals that, you know, that's just not the average of the bunch. 
yeah. because that's how you truly get someone that's willing to, you know, I mean, hey, I'm going to start this. For instance, you know, I, I, me and Wally had a, a friend, my friend Wally had this uh, aromatherapy company called Sango. Yeah. Right. Where we created these uh, beautiful plastic, uh, ceramic, not plastic, ceramic, gold plated uh, essential oil diffusers. And we both dropped like a whole bunch of money on the project. Yeah. Maybe like close to like 15 grand total maybe. And this was like when we were like just really young kids yeah yeah you know but but it's like hey we believe in this we can create this design we can take the photos ourselves let's fucking do it yeah you know and we just had this fire in us and i think that fire is really what keeps driving me to to try new ideas and to never stop reinventing yourself and keep learning from different industries yeah because i really do believe that when you're able to take things from two different industries and put it together, mm-hmm. then you'll have something special. If that makes sense. Um, do you consider yourself a, a risk averse person? Like when you when you make a decision, do you do you think about like, okay, I'm gonna take this action and this this and this might happen? Like, do you do you do you calculate your actions like very carefully before go like making decisions, or are you like just kind of like let's just this is how I feel right now and this is what I believe in and let's just see where it goes. Like, are you kind of more like that? Yeah, I definitely think I need to take more uh, calculated. <laughs> be more cautious. Yeah, be more cautious about certain things. I'm very much, if I believe in it, I'm going to do it. When do we start? Yeah, that's amazing because like... It is and it isn't. I've been burned a lot of times along the way, a lot of failed businesses, a lot of, right. you know, but, uh, you learn the hard way. Yeah. I can see it from both ways because I'm probably the like direct opposite, opposite of you, right? Where it's like, I, I, I want to like start things, but anytime like, oh yeah, we may have a little idea. We always start with doubt. Right. You, it's you, like, you look at the negative first. You look at the negative first. We'll always be like, oh, you know, but this could happen. Or, you know, what if this happens? We lose all this money and then we the, the action never takes place. So we never knows. We never we never know where it goes. So let me ask you. I guess you must be more. You must allow the. Um, how do I want to say this? The. The safety of it, the safety trumps the regret. Yes. Because for me, regret trumps safety. Yeah. If I'm going to regret not doing this, it doesn't matter if I'm going to, right? So that's my equation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But for you, safety trumps regret, right? I would say like, yeah, for the majority of my life, I'm definitely like reaching the point of my life where it's like, you know, I think the older you get, you, you're more like, wow, like you don't want to... Like maybe safety to you, um, not that it's not as important, but it's almost like living without regrets is more important. You know, it's not called regret; it's more remorse. Is that is that what remorse is? Like the regret of not having have done done something. I think that's called. Is that more remorse? No, that's regret. Sorry, regret. Yeah. So like just more like I don't want to live the rest of my life like yeah sure it's like it's like it was safe but you know not knowing what could have been kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely definitely not knowing what could have been is what would keep me up at night and bother me more than 
I tried, I lost some money, I lost some time, and I failed. But along the way, I learned and I met some amazing people and I had yeah, great I mean, experiences. That's really good mentality. That will always balance out for me. Um, but one of the <laughs> one of the realizations that I came to during the pandemic, yeah, was I I am the way I am because of this. I mean, I am the way I am because of my childhood. I know we always keep going back to this, but is it gonna go dark again? <laughs> I know we said we keep it like, but so the concept is extra credits. Okay. When you have, let's say, um, let's say you go to uh, Chuck E. Cheese or Dave and Buster's, and you have, let's say, you just found five coins yeah. on the ground. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be much less protective calculated of how you spend those coins yeah right because they're they're extra credits you found them yes you're gonna try hey let me just spend it on the 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 big game where i win the big prize even though i know those chances are slim you're more likely to do that versus i gotta take five coins out of my own pocket that i paid for right to do that yeah so i feel like my life is extra credits Mm -hmm. my parents clearly didn't really want me they didn't want to get married with it to each other they weren't happy my whole childhood was 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 fucked up i'm just a bonus Uh does that make sense i don't really right so it feels like if i accomplish anything big that's amazing if i die in a A nobody like nobody yeah yeah then it's then it doesn't matter extra credits so that's kind of what i realized during the pandemic i'm like why am i the way i am why do i think like this because it was really bothering me to be honest Uh i'm like i need to be more calculated i need to um do things that are a bit more safe sometimes yeah like have some stability yeah have have some stability you know what i mean but you know i just yeah i just realized that was the root of who i was wow that makes sense yeah how do you even come up with the Oh my god! I feel like I wish sometimes I could just like sit in your brain like late at night. <laughs> you probably have like these random ass thoughts going through your brain before bedtime. I have a lot of time to myself. <laughs> yeah, and I, I. No, it's great. I like to think. Yeah. This is how I like come up with like the marketing ideas that we do for Schedule Thirty Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The card game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work play the shirt. This, you know, these are all just like I'm just lying. I've just always had the freedom. Yeah. To be with myself and be with my thoughts. Yeah. And I think a large part is it goes back to the, like what we said before. I like to create. Yeah. I can make something of this so it turns into something else. Yeah. I can create my way out of this terrible beginning. Right. So I'm always in my mind. Let me escape. Let me think. Let me create. Let me escape. Let me think. Let me create. Right. And I don't have any, I don't need to worry about coming home for dinner, having family dinner with my cousins this weekend. Like I don't have these normal cogs in my brain, Mm -hmm. right? That a regular person has, Mm -hmm. right? You know, these, whatever, whatever I have dinner Mm -hmm. with the coworker. Yeah. Or not even like. I mean, not that these are good things, right? But you don't have like, like parents nagging you about yeah. like this and that, or like you don't have to go to f- like family gatherings where your aunt's like, "Well, what have you been doing with your life lately?" Yeah. Like you know stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, you're just I'm just kind like, of out there doing your own thing. Yeah, I'm just 
roaming the universe and yeah i find pleasure in this let me see what it turns into yeah you know wow <laughs> but that's me let's uh let's go to your story oh my god <laughs> Damn, my story is like so boring compared to yours. No, but I want to know like... I've, okay, no, definitely I feel like... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say my origin story <laughs> is definitely not as interesting as yours. Like, I mean, I was like your typical, you know, straight A student. Oh, you love showing that off. I loved, I loved telling that. But honestly, I really was like, you know... But, it, but I, even if you like were to explain why... Like, it was never so um hard? it was never like my parents rewarded me for getting a's it was never like my parents scolded me when i didn't get good grades so it was just this, like so hard? it was just this thing like in my what did was, you tell yourself that made you try so hard it maybe it like stems back to like that need for validation like like your, your grades are a reflection of like because you thought your dad would like yeah, it was just like, you know, it was like something that I was very proud of. It was almost this pressure I gave myself. My parents never had to f tell me, like, you have a test, you need to study. My parents knew nothing about, like... But but what, what convinced you that this is the metric in which I prove myself on? I honestly don't know. Like, I... I, I, I honestly... Yeah, I can't even pinpoint why just society yeah i mean i'm sure it, it was society i'm sure like because i think that's what some like a lot of people don't they don't really about. think no yeah. think about they just oh society says these are the metrics that determine if i'm a worthwhile person or a worthless person and they yeah. just take it on yeah they just assume that yeah and it's yeah. like why yeah, no, 100%. Like, that's definitely me, right? Like, I, you know, did everything I could, you know, gotten to, like, all the universities that I applied to. Um, you know, the only reason why I decided to go to UTM was I had made up my mind that I would do more school. And I was like... Like, after university? After university. I knew, like, I wanted to be, like some kind of like i guess like professional like or it could be like either like a doctor or a lawyer or something post there would be something after university mm -hmm. so university to me was just a stepping stone to something else it was never like you know i'd be done and then find a job mm -hmm. so university to me i was like it doesn't matter i'm gonna live at home because i'll move out when i do my postgrad right and um I went to UTM for four years and uh, again, University of Toronto, Mississauga campus. But because I lived at home, like I didn't really like, there wasn't really a party life. Like you remember, I would go to Waterloo and like, you know, go to house parties. We didn't have that right at UTM. Yeah, which sucks. I know it was, it was just like literally go home, study, oh go to school, you know, spend time at the library, like, which probably helped me get the grades that I got to get into dentistry. But Dentistry was never really something I was passionate about. Like, mm -hmm. So what gave you those? Because definitely during those times of you're studying, you're frustrated, you don't want to study anymore, but you know you have 10 more chapters to go through. What gave you that, what discipline or fuel to just, I got to do this? I honestly just 
feel like if you grew up your whole life with straight A's, you, you don't even know. You're like, I can't get anything less than this. Mm. Like, it's almost like it was like, this is this thing that I have to keep up. You know, I, I never, I don't. And like, was that, do you know what labeling theory is? Mm -mm. So labeling theory is basically like, um, you know how you feel different when you're a guest at a party versus a host of the party? When you're the host, you know, you don't feel that awkwardness. Hey, how's it going, man? You need a drink? You want me to grab you anything? Mm. Oh, hey, uh, I'm Carmen. I haven't met you before. Nice to meet you. Mm. You know what I mean? But when you're a guest, you're much more shy. Mm -hmm. Labeling theory is when you prescribe yourself the label of the host, mm -hmm. you assume host duties. You realize, I'm allowed to do this. I'm allowed to be friendly to everyone. I'm the host. Why wouldn't I be? I'd be mm -hmm. a bad host. Mm -hmm. So I... Was it you that prescribed the label of I'm an A plus student or was it your parents that said you need to be this? No, my parents never because like my sister is literally like the complete opposite of me. So then at what point in your early childhood did you say I'm an A plus student and you like slapped that label on you and you said. I think it could just be like, you know, teachers, you know, like all my teachers loved me. You know, I always just got like praise from like like teachers saying like Carmen's such a great student you know this and that and then the, the report cards and like I don't know what it was mm -hmm. it, you know it wasn't like something I really thought about but it was just something I knew I had to do and getting anything less was not an option and um so yeah anyways like even getting into dentistry like it was um such a fluke thing to be honest Wait, why was it a fluke? I thought you set out on that course. No, I actually only applied because my boyfriend at the time wanted to be a dentist. So you said, hey. Yeah. I'm going to base. I, you didn't know this? I remember. Now that you say this, I remember. Yeah. Now. So I was dating this guy from. That's so crazy. Yeah. I was dating this guy since grade 10. Wait, wait. You know how crazy this sounds? You're this person that forces them to study hard. Forces them herself to study hard. Yeah. I don't accept anything less than A's. Yeah. I'm a calculated person. Yeah. Yet when it comes to my career choice, I whatever know. my boyfriend's doing, I'll do. And and that's the thing because, I mean, going back to like, I think episode six where we were talking about, you know, me becoming a mom and this is something I knew so in here, like in my soul that I wanted, right? Whereas like for me, what I wanted to be was never something that like I knew. You know, like growing up, I never had like aspirations to be, something i just knew i had good grades so my options were endless that was in my head just do the good grades, grades and then figure it out later and figure it out later because uh, you'll have options right. right but i didn't know i couldn't narrow it down i was just kind of like ah maybe i'll be a teacher like that was one of my options um but it wasn't until i met my my boyfriend at the time it was in grade 10 and um you know we dated all through high school and then into university and it was him ever since grade 10 when i met him he was like i'm i'm going to be a dentist i'm going to be a dentist right and at the time i was still like la 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 like i don't know what i'm going to be but i always got better grades than him um and it wasn't until like second year he was like honestly carmen like you should just apply like you should apply to be a dentist right um you have better grades you'll probably get in and i was dating him at the time and like he was my only like like cheerleader yeah, like, honestly, I really do, th th like, thank him because he really was, like, 
we dated for six years and like throughout that journey like every test every you know he, he really helped me a lot wow yeah he helped me a lot like even though he didn't get the grades that maybe he wanted he was a very intelligent guy wow. and he we studied all the time together and um that's really amazing for a person to do that yeah like, this is my dream but you're closer to achieving it yeah and i and the, the worst part too is like when we finally applied we applied together and like i got in and he didn't right and and at the time we broke up like we had already broken up but he was so happy for me like it was like almost like yeah that was the role he really played in my like that's crazy in my life um and I went on to do dentistry and um, again, going into dentistry, it was another four years of my life and going through it. I didn't even think this was like, I was like, okay, this is just, again, something I had to do and something I had to like try to excel in. But once you got into dentistry, it was like a wake up call. Everybody is straight A students, right? right. I was honestly probably like one of the dumbest people in my class. Like I, at that time, that's when I was like living in Toronto. So I would like go clubbing all the time. I would still study because I still in the back of my head had that like, you know, that like student mentality where it was like, I can't go into a test not ready. Like, you know, I still felt guilty when, you know, I didn't get an A, but everybody else was just so smart. Like you, you, you know, it was a big wake up call, but you know, I, I, I did the four years and, um, you know, I, I like, I don't think anybody ever grows up and, and is like, I want to be a dentist. <laughs> like, honestly, it, it's, you know, it's Your not. Your ex-boyfriend did. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's just not something like people grow up wanting to do. Like, um, I mean, you definitely, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's one of the, the jobs with the highest suicide yes. rates. Yes, yes, so yes. So as someone, I've always loved going to the dentist, by the way, as a kid. Yeah. I've always loved it. It's always been a fun experience. Um, but tell me, why is this job the number one most suicidal job ever? Yeah. Um, I didn't realize it until I actually started, you know, working as a dentist. Because I think, um, I think we're very misunderstood. How so? In that, like, for example, someone like you with good oral health, great teeth, not too many cavities you know you go in you know twice a year get your teeth cleaned the dentist comes in for like five minutes i'm not the normal patient you're not you're not the type of patients that i see you're that patient that i see in between my patients when the hygienist is like hey dr Lowe, i'm done the cleaning come take a quick peek so I'd be doing like a root canal in the other room and I'd have to like stand up from my root canal, come to oh. your room, check your teeth for t five minutes just to, just and to then leave. Exactly. But that five minutes is like, I do like 20 of those in a day. So I'm like a nobody to you. It, it's almost like, yeah, like I, I see you. I probably yeah, wouldn't even remember blip. you. Yeah. yeah. I honestly probably wouldn't even remember the people with good teeth because I don't wow. see them. Right. It's the people that you see that are the ones with like rotting teeth, you know, broken teeth, um, you know, really bad gums, like people with a lot of dental problems. Those are the people that you get really close with because I see them very, very often. Like right? how or, often is often? I mean, like, like more than I would say, like maybe like more than three, four times a year. That's right. like pretty often. Like if you go more than just your regular cleanings, that's a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, 
And so why dentists have a very high suicide rate? I actually read an article about this because <laughs> there was a time during dental school. Um, I lived in a downtown, like a, an apartment downtown in downtown Toronto, right in the core, like near Eaton Center. And my window opened out with no screen. It opened out enough that you could jump. I could jump. Don't, Don't you remember in my room? I don't remember opening the window. I remember what your room looked okay, like. Okay, my room, like literally the window was huge yeah. and you can li- open it out. I was skinny enough that I could literally jump off. I'm not even kidding you. So I remember I stuck a poster of like a cat and the cat was like sleeping and there was like literally something that said like relax because I knew like, like it was just such a stressful environment to be in, in dental school and just like. That you wanted to jump. Not that I ever had those thoughts, but I was like, just in case, because even going into dental school, I was like, ooh, like, you know, you hear these things about dentistry, right? So it wasn't until I started and I became a dentist that I realized that it's, it's, it's being a dentist is tough in a sense that, first of all, not, not the people with good teeth. Okay, not people like you, but the people who come in and see you all the time for like the root canals, the fillings and things like that. Like dentistry is not enjoyable. Like as personable as I can try to be as like, like gentle. The yeah, the practice. There's no such thing as painless dentistry. Like me numbing your gums, me numbing your tooth requires an injection. There is nothing comfortable about that. Yes, I can try to make it as painless as possible. But at the end of the day, I'm literally sticking a needle in your gums. Right. So. People are always coming in saying like, oh, nothing personal, but like, I just don't like you or like. Yeah, because you're the uh, pain provider. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, I hate coming. They associate you with negative negative things such as a toothache, such as now their tooth needs to be pulled, such as, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, I'm going in to get a massage or I'm going in to get my nails done. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not a happy event. People associate you with negative events so already you get that right people are typically not excited to see you yes you have the one or two patients that are like you know that really enjoy coming um for the sake of dentistry right not because of you but yeah you 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 you, there's more often there's people that have a lot of anxiety that are like projecting Mm -hmm. onto you Mm -hmm. okay The second thing is as a dentist, you make the decisions. You are the boss of the entire practice. Your license is on the line every day, right? More often than not, things go wrong in dentistry, no matter how good of a practitioner you are. Like what do you mean? So like, for example, if I do a filling, I can do the best filling, the most beautiful filling. um, But if you grind your teeth that feeling can break. Mm-hmm. But in the patient's mind, you, you, like you, you did a shitty right. feeling and now it's broken after three months, you know, and they come in and they're upset and they're demanding certain things of you. Like I need you to do it again for free or blah, blah, blah. Or even the materials that we use, right? The fillings that we use, we have to use this chemical to stick the filling onto your tooth. That chemical in itself, the, the or, or the, the acid that we use to like, kind of etch your tooth to make it rough so that the filling would stick that acid in itself will cause sensitivity to your tooth Mm. right and so patients are then like my tooth didn't have pain before you fixed it but after you fixed it now it's even more sensitive than it is like these natural these little things that is out of our control 
just part of the process. It's just part of the process, right? Like it's it's not like a uh, a very it's more often there is you know there's there people will come back with some kind of complaint that is out of your control mm. okay so to be a good dentist like i've learned really the main thing is like learning that to manage your patient's expectations right to really like educate them on like hey these are the things that you might feel after today you know, these are the reasons why. And patients are like, oh, okay. And then when they go home and they're like, oh yeah, I'm a bit sensitive, but yeah, Dr. Lowe said it would be. So that's cool. And then, so these are the things I learned along the way. But at the beginning when I was starting, it was almost like, you know, patients being upset about this or, you know, um, this and that. And then also not only are you a medical professional, right? But dentistry is the only medical profession where you literally have to sell something. What do you mean? So, for example, like... Oh, like, I recommend you do this. Yeah. It's... But it's not life or death, right? Right. So, I might say, like, you really need a crown on this tooth. All patients here is... Yeah. She just wants my money, right? But I'm... Honestly, I could care less if you do a crown on this tooth or not. Like, this is what I've learned, you know... I've all, now how I phrase things is different. But at the beginning, I would really be like, you really need a crown. Like, you know, and people think it's like very um like it's like oh yeah she just wants my money blah, yeah it's blah, like blah. when the mechanic says oh you gotta yeah. fix this and, this, and, this, and, and this. especially since like um in in my practice like i'm the only female dentist i'm also the only asian um dentist and so um at the beginning like and i look young right they don't so, trust your opinion yeah anymore. they're like who's this like you know young girl coming in telling me i need these things right and also I was younger, so maybe like the way that we learned things in school, like our treatment methods were very different than the older dentist, right? Who was maybe a little bit more conservative or or maybe didn't even learn to do the, the procedures that we can offer. Mm -hmm. So they never sold it to their patients. And now all of a sudden... They're like, what is this you're trying yeah, to... Yeah, what, what, what is, is this? this? And so a lot of it is like majority of your day, I would say, is not even the dentistry that's hard. Just convincing people. It's the managing patients, the mm. like explanation, the education, the, you know, that stuff is really hard. And don't get me wrong. Like I Dealing now with people is. Yeah. It's the tiring, right? Like sometimes yeah. I wish I had a desk job where I can just be like, okay, I need a minute and just like do my thing. Right. So that, and then there's the, there's the, because you're, because of that, like a lot of times patients think it's okay to just like throw around things like. I'm going to sue you for this mm. when they have no knowledge of like. Yeah. What grounds they really have yeah. or what's protocol, what's procedure. Right. And that's right, why like documentation wrong. is so important. Like my notes at the end of the day for each patient is so extensive because you just have to like, almost you learn, you have to like protect yourself. You have to protect yourself. You have to like explain everything. You have to write down like everything that d was discussed because you never know who will come back and be like, like, you know, you fix the wrong tooth or, um, you cause this and blah, blah, blah. Right. And so that's something else. And then it was because like, there's not a whole lot of jobs where like, at least a lot of my friends at the time, you know, they were kind of doing like corporate jobs where it's like, sure. Like you might make mistakes in your job. You might do something that someone else doesn't like, but it will never cost you your career. But like for me, if I do something, you know, really bad, someone can like 
take away my license, right? Um, so how does that feel going to work every day? Like, are you always on edge? I've definitely over the years, I think I've become like numb. <laughs> like, you know, Sunday, I definitely have like my Sunday blues where I'm like, it's not even about like, oh my God, I need to go to work. It's not that. It's like the unknown of like, what's going to happen this week. Yeah, like right? what, what, what shit do I yeah, have to Yeah, and like, now? I honestly pride myself and I'm not just saying this, but I really do pride myself in saying, and I can truly say that I am a very, I'm a good dentist. Like, I, like, I'm, I, I cannot say that, like, you know, I know some dentists who may be a little bit, like, sketchy or, like, might be very business driven and things like that. Like, I'm not like that. Like, it's not about the money for me. And, um... So at the end of the day, like, that's what helps me. And I can say, like, okay, if a patient comes back and they're trying to, like, get me in trouble for certain things, like, at least I can say, like, it was never... I, I know I did it. What yeah. What I did was right. It was ethical. Yeah. It was moral. Like, this is exactly how I would treat my, my sister. Like, right. you know what I mean? But um, it's funny because, like, if you talk to other dentists, like, I think we all relate on the same level about, like, stress and, and, and how stressful dentistry can be. But um, <laughs> one of the, like funny things that we always talk about is like a day you know a good day in dentistry is not even like anything crazy happens that's like it's not like something amazing has to happen where you get like just business as usual yeah, is a good day exactly as long as nothing's gone wrong it's a good day right, right, right. right? Um, other things too like generally people are anxious to go to the dentist so there's been studies done where they measure the heart rate of the patient and also the heart rate of the dentist and it's actually synced right so the more anxious your patient is the that more anxious you are yeah for sure that makes sense yeah so real like really i know a lot of people have dental anxiety it's a real thing right so just think about this for a minute right like if you're anxious the person treating you is also anxious so things are not like that's not a good Mm -hmm. combination it's not right? a good yeah it's not a good combination it's not a good environment to be in yeah and then the other thing is a lot of dentists they work by themselves and what i mean by by themselves is that sure they have their assistants they have their hygienists they have their front desk staff but at the end of the day they're by themselves in that they don't have like partners to hop ideas off of right they're the decision maker in that office right so there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of pressure and there's not like let's say you have a sh you know a crappy day you have a crappy situation with the patient like you are in your own no one else in the office can really relate to that level of responsibility right sure you can complain to your patient or your uh, assistant and be like oh man that was a really hard extraction or whatever that, that tooth was really hard to be pulled but like your assistant at the end of the day, they're not doing the procedure, mm -hmm. right? They can only like observe and be like, yeah, that was hard for you, but it's different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's You're not, not like, truly able to relate. Yeah. Or like, it's not like a corporate job where you can literally be like, yo, Joe, like what tough meeting, you know, like, yeah. and, and be on that the same level. Right. So there's that. And then. Damn, there's more. Yeah, dude. Oh like, I think there truly is a reason why, like, you know, Wait, so then what's the usual exit plan? Because no one wants to stay. It sounds like no one wants to stay in this forever. Oh, sorry. I have one more thing. The okay. other thing is just like it's it's physically taxing. Because you're hunched over. And yeah. I mean, like I, I work three and a half days only. Like I told myself, like 
like for me like you know so we only get paid for the number of procedures that we do we get a percentage like a cut right so obviously the more I work the more procedures I do the more money I'll earn but at the end of the day like my balance of like money versus happiness is three and a half days Mm -hmm. I will work no more than three and a half days if anything I want to work two days like I think I'll be like really happy then but three and a half days and at that point after because I work Monday Tuesday Wednesday full days and then a half day Friday so by Wednesday night like right now I'm like exhausted my body is just like dying a lot of dentists have like neck problems hip problems um so more so from physical exhaustion versus mental exhaustion but both right and we always have to be on i'm always jumping from like room to room right i'll have a root canal in this situation and then i'll have you like after you've cleaned your teeth i might be going through like a really difficult surgery right in one room but as soon as the hygienist is like hey derek's ready for a check i gotta like turn that stress off go to your room and be like, Hey Derek, how are things? You know, or I could have just had another patient in another room, like yelling at me cause they're like, Oh, why was I charged like $5,000 for this? Blah, blah, blah. All you want is money. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And then as soon as I see someone else, like the very next, you know, hour, you gotta change faces. You gotta change faces. You gotta be that happy person. And it's just, damn. Yeah. It's so, it's just like you're so drained and you still at the end of the day yes you are the medical profession but at the end of the day because dentists are not like we're not it's still like a private i guess health service right you still have to pay out of pocket um if you don't have insurance for it right it's not covered by ohip and things like that so people still perceive it as a business so you still have to put on a yeah, you gotta. You, you still know, have to yeah. have the good customer service. You know, you can't just be like, "Well, I'm the professional. This is my opinion. You can go somewhere else." Like, you can't do that, right? right? Whereas, like, people typically don't really question their doctors. Um, you know, you don't really need a doctor with like superior bedside manner because, like, as long as you know they're good, right? Yeah. But like, you know, everything is just—it's so. Like, that was one of the things I was worried about doing this podcast because I was like, yo, I get judged all the time at work, you know, for every little thing that I do that I was afraid this podcast would, like, just create more judgment in terms of, like, that I just really don't need, like, that negative judgment. So it was just, yeah, it's a lot. And, like, there are things that I love about dentistry, don't get me wrong, um, you know, obviously there's like the really rewarding like the patients who are so thankful for everything that you've done for them or you know you've changed someone's life because you brought their smile back like you you see families grow you know there's some families that I've been with in the last seven years and I've seen their kids being born now their kids are seven and it's like crazy and you've, you grow these relationships with people mm-hmm. that that is amazing like some patients bring me like presents for Christmas like I would never think to bring my dentist a present for mm-hmm. Christmas right so Yes, there are these beautiful things and there are many patients who obviously like, that's why I think people should do this more often. Like, I don't think people go out of the way to really tell, you know, their doctors or their dentists or their, you know. Just like, thank you for. Yeah, like, wow, that was amazing. Like, you did a great job, you know, things like that. It's almost like expected for these people to, you know, 
be good at their jobs. But in dentistry, you being good is like, wow, that was painless. You're right. good. But that was just painless because like I didn't give you a needle this time. Right. You know? And so it's just... <sighs> Yeah, anyway, so... I hope no dentistry students are listening to this. Or I hope some are listening to it. I actually do. Because I, w- I, I wish. Because I, I wish someone had told me this. I but wish do you think someone would be able to, like... Like, are you able to convey this without going through it? Like, do you think if someone said this to you while you were in this drill, you'd say, oh, okay, I'm not doing this anymore? Or would you be like, I guess I'm I'm just gonna... You know, I'll, I'll deal with it. It's okay. Yeah. No, and I mean... Don't get me wrong, like, I still have a lot of friends who, like, maybe not my friends group. Everyone in my friends group kind of feels the way that I do. But, like, in terms of, like, how Oh, like, your dentistry friends. Yeah, my dentistry friends are all pretty, like, chill and we all, like... You're all unanimous in your decision. Yeah, because we all have our own lives outside of dentistry, right? Like, dentistry isn't our identity. Like, when I, like, introduce myself or, you know, I, like, when people ask me what I do, like, I I don't really love telling people, like, what I do because it's, like... Nothing it's, really to talk about. Yeah, there's nothing to talk about. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, as like a like the, something that I do, right? But there are people that I know that are like so passionate about it. They like go home and they read like articles. They're like researching like the newest, you know, like filling material that like you know does this and does that. And I'm like, I have no like that's just not my passion. Yeah, no desire for it. Yeah, and so that. like just going back to you know your story is just so inspiring because it's like for me dentistry is that stability like it I realize that hey you know I might not love doing it but it allows me to work two days if I want and I can still have a lot of stability in my life even working three and a half days Mm -hmm. so that I can do the things that I love on the days that I don't work it affords you, yeah. It affords me the luxury of, you know, mm-hmm. that maybe some people can't, right? Even though they're doing a job that they don't like. Right. So I think if, yeah, the the, the part that's like, okay, that, you know, and, and the, the freedom of being able to like choose the days that I work, the hours that I work, like that, that stuff I do enjoy. But when it comes to like the nitty gritty dentistry stuff, like... I can't really say anybody can be. That's why people are always like, you like like looking at dirty teeth and stuff like that. Like, come on, like nobody does, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's just too, like dentist, dentists are very misunderstood in a sense where like a lot of people think we like clean teeth or, you know, we just come in and check. But there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that the regular patient wouldn't see, mm-hmm. right? We do a lot of procedures. Like we are doctors of dental surgery. We're dental surgeons. Like we're, we, we do surgeries. We, you know, we do implants. We do this and that, right? There's a lot more involved in, you know, we just don't sit and look at dirty teeth and clean them. Right. Right. So it's, um, yeah, I, I man, this feels like a load off my chest. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's good. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I don't want, obviously, if you're my patient and you're seeing this, like, you know, I, I do. I mean, if you've seen me before, you probably know that, like, I'll always have a smile on my face at work. And, you know, I, I, give I don't, it your all. yeah, I give it my all. Like, I don't think any patient would, would, would notice, like, I don't like go to work, like all, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. but 
at the end of the day, these these are just some realities of, you know, the career path that I chose that, you know, people might not see. And it's like, yeah, people see like, oh, wow, you have this and you have that. But it's like, dude, I worked really hard to get, Mm -hmm. you know, to where I am. And it's not rainbows and butterflies when we go to work. Like, it's a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, uh, I think I was saying in previous episodes, like, I'm at this point in my career where it's like, it's been six years I've been associating. So working at someone's practice for a cut, right? I don't pay any overhead. I don't pay the staff. I take away a percentage, which is lovely because I don't have to deal with the like the headaches, the headaches of being a business owner. But now I'm kind of at that point where it's like, what do I do now? Right? Like, you know, I do want my own thing at the end of the day. I mean, I'm even open to something that would maybe like, take me away from dentistry eventually completely or even like allow me to work in dentistry for the two days but be able to do something on the side that I love but Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I am now and you know that's just hearing your story and that's why I like like I I do love your story so much because it's like something that I never had Mm -hmm. like something that I never I could never picture myself going through even though I really want it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It's almost like my personality doesn't allow me to like do the things that you do, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just like, when I like so passionate about. No, you don't need to apologize. Why are you apologizing? (laughs) I feel like I was like yelling. You definitely were yelling at a point. (laughs) Sorry. But you got to turn my voice. No, down it's just bit. passion. <laughs> um, it's just passion. And I think, um, I think it's very refreshing for me at least. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of people, cause it, you don't think about that stuff. Yeah. You know? So it's just always good to see behind the curtains of, let me put myself in someone else's shoe and see what their reality is like. Yeah, for sure. Cause the grass is always greener, mm-hmm. you know? on the other side and you always think someone else has it better but you know i'm i always say to eden because he has a corporate job you know i'm always like i wish i had that (laughs) and he's like no trust me you don't you know i wish i had what you had you know and you know vice versa vice versa right you 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 want some stability i want that you know so it's it, it is always nice you should always surround yourself with people that are like very or doing different things so that you just kind of like you get inspired right Mm -hmm. yeah Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry if I yelled in your ears, guys. Oh my god. I'm literally sweating. Also, I just want to say, like, um This was a very this, I feel like you had more um more like anxiety talking about this and more more than episode three, which was your your marriage. Because episode three was something that I was recalling. Right. Right. It was something I had gone through. And this was the first time you've ever, I guess, publicly public. Like, I mean, if you're, yeah. Like, and, and people who are close to me know how passionately I feel about dentistry, but, um, it's definitely some, like something I want to convey and it's still something I'm going through right now. So that's why it's so like nerve wracking. (sighs) Yeah. Like I'm literally, my armpits are sweating, (laughs) Um, but I also just want to say like, um, you dressed really nicely today. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I just don't realize that. <laughs> because like literally I look like a bum. The first thing like, when you walked into my house, you were like, 
I thought you were going to put makeup on today. Yeah, that's what you said. You're like, yo, people are watching us on YouTube now. Yeah. I should put makeup back on. I'm like, sure, go for it if you and want. I was like, and then I thought about it. Like, I just, bro, this is a hat and a shirt. Dude, this is how exhausting dentistry is because today's Wednesday. It's my third uh, full day. And, and like literally right after work, we do this. And I'm just like, do I want to put on makeup? So if we end up changing our podcast release days to a different day, you guys will know why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But okay, come on. But thank like, you for the compliment. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, I see you but like put some effort. No, this is... Okay. <laughs> you put on ripped jeans, bro. Guys are actually so easy. Yes, it's so easy. You just need to have a few core staple items. Yes. A few good pairs of shoes, a few good pairs of pants, a few good shirts. Yes. Know how to do your hair, nice hat or two. Yeah. And as long as you know how to mix and match between them. Yeah. There's endless combinations. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we should talk about this next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this we should because I definitely know that within the last maybe three three or four years yeah it kind of clicked to me on how to dress mm-hmm. i didn't know how before when i look back at all what just going through life before i didn't think about these things right, right, right. Yeah. but once you see it you can't unsee it yeah you know and it's such an important life tool you know it really is a tool because you dress really well too you have really good taste you know Thank i see you. I, know, I see you spending i, I um, just want everybody <laughs> i just wanted you to validate me on that because like you i don't wanted it to come back to you yeah i don't normally look like this but like i mean like we we film on a day where it's like you know right. i just want to relate this back to like i have so much stress like it's not yeah. worth the effort you know i'm kidding she wants excuses <laughs> but it really is important like how you show up to a room yes a hundred percent how you dress yes human beings are very primitive creatures a hundred percent we're going to judge whether consciously or subconsciously off the most trivial things. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So you might as well give a good impression. Yep. You know what I mean? And don't you feel like the day where you have like a nice outfit on, you just feel like more confident. Mm. You're like... Those are the days I wish my ex would run into me. (laughs) Yes, I know, right? Or like when you... Trust me, I I get so much excitement from like shopping and buying new clothes and stuff like that and like do my anyways like you can't oh, i can't wait till the streets see me this and <laughs> <laughs> this fit <laughs> oh man uh, but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that next time <laughs> oh, all man. right let's wrap it up yeah if you guys have been tuning in thank you so much uh this podcast has been sponsored by schedule 35 um schedule 35 is a company that you know talking about careers that i co-founded recently we focus on microdosing psilocybin products uh, if you don't know about microdosing psilocybin, definitely read up on it and check us out. Schedule35.co. Peace. See you guys next or talk next week. <laughs> See you guys too. Bye.